Hi there, I'm Scott McGee, and welcome to the TCM Podcast. My guest today is Andy Anotko. Andy is the technology columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times, a post that he's had since 1999, and a tech author and expert for several other resources, including Macworld Magazine. Andy is quite possibly the greatest writer specializing in technology today. Andy's the co-host of his own weekly podcast, The Anotko Almanac, where he ruminates on the clickable arts, such as pop culture, comic books, science fiction, music, and classic movies. Andy Anotko, welcome to the TCM Podcast. Thanks for having me here, Scott. Uh, you know, I realized that you were a big TCM fan through your Twitter feed, at Anotco, uh, and we really appreciate the online shout-outs, especially when you're, you know, you're binging on TCM. <laughs> how, how long have you been a TCM fan? Oh, uh, as soon as I discovered it on the cable dial. Uh, it's, I, I was reevaluating my cable lineup uh, about a year ago, and the deal breaker was I need a package with TCM on it. Because there's uh, there there is that sort of desperate zone in the middle of like my cable lineup where it's sports channels and I'm not really a sports guy, followed by a lot of programming for people who are in desperate need to see people being arrested or stuff like that, and then you see oh, Claudette, Claudette Colbert in black and white being adorable. I think I'm just going to stop right here. <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, th there's so many different avenues in which we can get classic movies or movies in general, things like Netflix or Amazon or, uh, you know, personal DVD or Blu-ray collections. What is it about, I mean, what, what does TCM bring to the movie experience that you really can't get anywhere else for you? Easy, uh, random access. I mean, uh, technology is really great for finding something for you. If you ask it a specific question, it can give you that specific answer really, really quickly. If you see a background character in some sort of movie that's sort of familiar to you, you can hit IMDb and do a search and find out that actor's name and then find out other movies that specific actor has been in. But TCM brings you that wonderful aspect of having like a really great art house cinema uh, in, within walking distance or within an easy drive where you've never heard of this movie before. It's probably going to be pretty good because you've liked the other program that's, that, uh, that's, that's the, they've picked in the past. Uh, and it's always worth a gamble. Uh, and, and, and that it's also the only venue that at least I have to see a movie absolutely cold. And isn't that, that, isn't that great where you know nothing about this movie, you don't even recognize anybody in the cast, but there's something about it that makes you tune in and you have no idea, is this a comedy, is this a thriller, is this a drama, is this a love story? You have to keep watching it. Is this the guy the heavy? Is this guy the, uh, the, the hero? Is this guy just a bit background player? Is this guy going to die in the next scene? It's that it's a careful curation, I think, that you're speaking about that can bring the audience and bring a viewer to something that they've never seen before and that may very well surprise them. Yeah, I mean, it's the analog version of Amazon's recommendations, really. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a complex algorithm that lets Amazon figure out that, okay, you've seen two or three musicals. Here's a more modern musical that ties in with your love for Scorsese's 70s over here. Uh, this is the more analog version where a guy that you trust or a lady that you trust who seems to have a soothing voice and a pleasant demeanor is, is about to set up why this movie is was worth programming. Uh, and and also, also part of it is just the fun of... Uh, I'm sure you've had this. I'm sure you've had this this uh, this reaction too, where you see 
two movies in a row with the same actor, and you're like, oh my god, did she die? <laughs> and they, are they suddenly doing like a marathon of her because oh dear? And, but but part of it is just figuring out okay, what's the common link between these three? They haven't declared what the what the thing is, and you find out okay, it's this cinematographer that whose name was not familiar to me, but now I'm the biggest fan of ever. Yeah, TCM never just shows a movie for the sake of showing it. It's always within the context of some overarching theme. Yeah. Oh, and you and you, and my God, I don't know who's responsible for that thirty days of Oscar. That was a thirty day long Kevin Bacon game, where there's <laughs> every there was an actor in the previous movie that linked to the current movie yeah. that was going to link to the next movie, time, movie after movie after movie after movie, and. It was almost like watching a dance marathon at some point. Like, there's got to be some point at which they're going to simply say, okay, there is a terrier in the Thin Man movie that was played by a different dog actor in the next movie, but technically it's the same character and the same dog. We're going to go with a link here. Like, what? no, no, they really pulled it off. <laughs> That's, that was a while ago, too, with, with that 31 Days of Oscar theme. The Kevin Bacon game that was that was quite a few. But it's years legendary. Ago. It's yeah. like you don't you don't have to break the four minute mile twice. Once you've done it once, you've done something incredible that everybody should be talking about for the rest of your natural life. You should be able to go out to testimonial dinners at least once a month, and not just like you know catering great chicken. I'm talking about like really good salmon uh, on on that on that stunt. That was great. You know, there is a uh, a very lively and vocal online community of Twitter followers that TCM has. And when we show a film or a theme or a night of films, oftentimes they will tweet along with the movie. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes an online experience just as much as it is uh, an analog experience via the, t via the television. So, you know, the experience of, of reading along, of researching as you're watching the movie isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just another component that I think a lot of people uh, dig into. And an experience on their own. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the the best experiences you have watching a movie are always with an audience. Again, I love the fact that here in my house I can get access to everything. But still, when you my my, my favorite recollections are never about being alone in my sofa on my sofa or even with a couple other people in my living room. It's about you know that scene in the big year. Where they cut into the tympano, that's the legendary. Oh, we cannot build, we can't cook the tympano. We must build the tympano, but this, that would be disastrous, too expensive. Something so elegant, we must build the tympano. And finally, they slice into it and they lift up that cross section of pasta and sausage and and vegetables. And I was in the Harvard Square Theater with 400 people simultaneously, just go. Oh, and then laughter as everybody realized that we all had the same sort of mammalian reaction to that beautifully, beautifully prepared dinner. Uh, so uh, it's, it's, it's great that this technology allows us to have a big screening room like that. Um, I think that we're still quite a few steps away before we figure out how to naturally incorporate the audience into that, uh, because it, it really if we're if a movie is working great and we're seeing it for the first time, we're not even thinking to talk about something. Uh, we're thinking about we're just so immersed that we don't uh, tear our eyes off of it. I mean, the, the best audience reactions are laughter, applause, and screams, and occasionally just a girl. <laughs> well, Andy, one of the things that, uh, uh, one of the episodes on your podcast that I really enjoyed recently, actually, it was actually a couple of years ago, it's where you uh, deconstructed in a, the most hilarious fashion the 1954 film White Christmas, <laughs> you, uh, you essentially stripped it of its classic movie status. And it just occurs to me that I'd, I'd really like to know how you would define what a classic movie, what a classic movie is. 
Um, there, there, there are a couple of different answers to that. I think everybody's going to have their own. Personally, I think that a classic stands up no matter how many times you see it. And even if it took you 80 times to real to see that that, tele, that telephone pole that was bolted to the bottom of the German uh, truck in Raiders of the Lost Ark to force it to spin out and flip over, right. even if it took you 80 viewings to see it, it doesn't. It still seems like a beautiful, perfect movie. Uh, it's the sort of thing where, and it's, it's not anchored to any one place in time either. I mean, it's, uh, a movie can be very much of the 70s. I loved uh, uh, Pelham One, Two, Three because. 1973, 1974, New York, and all that thick layers of grime and phones you could kill a man with, and the <laughs> walkie, Motorola walkie-talkies are the only way to communicate instantly with people. But yet, there's something about it that you'll you'll be able to watch that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Um, the failure point is when you get to uh, White Christmas, just as an example, uh, and where you. We don't have another hour and a half of tape, and you, people can just see that. But it's it's like it was a pleasant enough movie, but it bothered me. And they said, "Why did they? Why was this was a fixable problem? Why didn't they fix that? This seems to be a problem." It's like, oh, and gee, you've got Bing Crosby, you've got Rosemary Clooney, certainly one of the top five vocalists of the of the twentieth twentieth century. Rosemary Clooney, without question. You can, we can argue whether it's top 10, top 20, but she's definitely on that list. You don't give them a long solo. You have to pair them up with somebody who's like a club comic who can sing kind of okay, but they're not Bing. Give Bing Crosby a solo, for God's <laughs> sakes. Not not like singing about a general who's been forgotten. Give him a good song. You know, the thing about movies that you don't care for, for one reason or another, is that you're taken out of the, the romance. You're taken out of the flow of the narrative. And so you're able to see the inconsistencies or the faults in whatever, whether it's the acting or the screenwriting or the direction. And you can actually learn more about filmmaking from watching a bad movie or a movie that you don't like than you can from a good film. Yeah. Sometimes. It's, a, it, it, it's all about the, that wonderful experience of watching a movie where intellectually you need to you, – you, a good movie will engage you intellectually. Sometimes it engages you from the wrong direction. Uh, but, I mean, uh, it's, it's wonderful when you see one of these movies that works so well – Someone will point out to you that the Death Star is a woefully impractical doomsday weapon because if you got if you got to move this this thing physically and it can't use space warps, okay, you you better worry because in ten years time our mega weapon is going to be in orbit, so you got ten years to do something about that. And the fact that you, someone has to point point that out to you like ten years after you've seen it for the first time, and you're still going to say, I don't care, it's still a great movie, I still love it. Andy, this, uh, this is going to be one of the few podcasts where we link White Christmas and Star Wars in some way. <laughs> Your programmers can do it. You can, find a, you can find a theme day that would put all those movies in, the one, in one basket. 